had a community member tell me a story about following one of the buses and when it pulled up to a house the two girls came running out of the house with their with their little brother who's not school age yet and uh, pulling a little red wagon down from the porch out to the bus to, to get their lunches and that they were so excited and happy just that image you know you kind of replay it in your head while you're doing the work and yeah. you just know that it's, it's something special This is Growing in Place, a show about food and resilience in rural Indiana. I'm Violet Barron. Yes, I'm Keith Nance. I'm the superintendent at West Washington School Corporation in Southern Indiana. So far on the show, we've talked to folks who grow our food, raise it, prepare it, and sell it. But feeding the community also means making sure it gets to the people who need it. When people have limited access to healthy food or limited funds to buy it, a strong central hub can make a big difference in organizing to spread the wealth. This week I talked on the phone with Keith Nance, the superintendent of West Washington School Corporation in southern Indiana's Washington County. West Washington is in a rural district with about 800 families who can live up to 20 miles or more from the school. Mr. Nance has worked with the school since 2011, after teaching for over a decade in his hometown of New Albany. That's a city just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, in Indiana's southern tip. He says that as a superintendent in a rural district, you wear a lot of hats. Yeah, being a superintendent of the school uh, obviously comes with a lot of responsibility. Uh, there are a lot of people that are under your charge, and uh, depending on you to make good quality decisions um, at a rural school it's a little unique because there are a, a lot there are a lot fewer uh, people working in the central office so for example at west washington it's just myself and uh, three support staff uh, the human resources payroll uh, position a treasurer position and then a person that is considered my assistant secretary so there's a lot of things that I, that I have to be responsible for, including the staff, personnel, transportation, um, meal service, curriculum. Mr. Nance and the school nutrition director, Joni Mutchler, have made it the school's mission not just to educate their kids, but to feed them too. The school in most communities is the heart of the community. It's the, the central hub of the community. And it's very true in a rural community. In our community, people look to our school as the leaders, the, the people that are going to step up when there are tough times or the people that are going to provide their needs. Uh, our, our church communities that are here, they come to us and they ask what is, what's the need of our community and what's the need of our students because they know that we have our fingers on the pulse of what's going on. So. And there are a lot of different instances where the school has to step up and really be the leader uh, of what's happening to affect positive change in our community. But meals are important because, you know, people that live uh, in low economic settings don't always get proper nutrition. And a lot of times 
uh, you know, if, if they are on the SNAP program or other programs, uh, they're going out and buying the most inexpensive food to make sure that they can provide for everyone. And that's not always the highest nutritional value food as well. So a food service program is really trying to take away those inequities and say, you know, all of our kids are going to get equal high quality nutrition because we know that that impacts them physically and it impacts them uh, and their growth academically. So it's important to make sure that we're providing that for all of our kids. In my own family, I can go out and I can buy fresh fruit and things like that. Typically people that are struggling, uh, they have to try to stretch their dollar as far as they can uh, or their assistance as far as they can. And they're not always getting that high quality nutrient-rich food, and so that's what we try to do through our food service program. We have to be the ones to help help our families locate those services. Living in, in the city where, where I worked previously, um, there are a lot of those services right in their neighborhoods. You know, if they lived in low-income housing, for example, there would be social centers right there in their neighborhood, whereas out here, there is no neighborhood. You know, uh, even the small towns we have are still very spread out. So the school has to be has to be the person that helps them uh, look at resources that may help their family. You know, we feel like it's important for those that have food insecurities. We make sure we bridge that gap for them. We we recognize that our students, especially, are very dependent on our school and our food service program in order to get two good quality meals per day. And when we're in school, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty relatively simple process. Uh, getting families signed up for the Federal Free and Lunch Program, and then just going about the business of uh, serving, serving a high quality breakfast and lunch. Of course, the school had to shut its doors when the pandemic hit Indiana, and learning went remote fast. But for the school system, where 30 to 45 percent of families qualify for free and reduced school meals, that meant there wasn't a clear way for those families to access the healthy food that sustained their kids during the school year. But the school system didn't just end the program. Instead, they launched a project to get food out to families while keeping the community safe from the virus's spread. We got busy right away figuring out how we were going to continue to provide that food service for our community and families. And we recognized that simply producing the meals wasn't going to be enough because geographically we are so spread out and those families that don't have the ability to, to provide those good quality meals, they also don't have the ability to have transportation for you know a 40 minute round trip every day to come pick those meals up. It's kind of counterproductive to say, well, we're gonna provide you a meal, but you know, you're gonna to have to, to drive 15 miles here to get it and 15 miles home. So we decided that we were going to deliver the meals uh, to the families at their homes and uh, it was a very, very well-received and high-participation program that we did during our school closure. We had to coordinate it very quickly. Uh, Joni Mutchler, who's the head of our food services, she was great about ordering and, and planning the meals. Uh, we had a lot of volunteers that came in to help package the meals 
and then our bus drivers, uh, who normally would be hauling kids back and forth to school. They were hauling the meals to the kids at home. It was very helpful because, you know, in our computer system, uh, obviously we have every kid's address, uh, but our bus drivers know where our kids live. So they were delivering to the kids on their bus routes. So it was very, very special to see all the people come together to make the program work and happen. A lot of our normal kitchen staff were in the high vulnerability group, so they weren't coming into work. So we had to figure out how we were going to get the, the breakfast and lunches put together uh, in order to deliver them. And we had uh, a lot of volunteers. Some of them were just community members that volunteered their time that came in each day to help us prep food. Those three ladies that I talked about that worked in my office, they worked in there with us daily. I was in there with a hairnet mask and gloves on, so uh, doing something that I don't normally do, but it was very rewarding. And then some of the guys that are on our maintenance staff, uh, they were taking time out of their normal day, and they were coming in and, and really lending us a hand to make it all work. You could tell uh, in everyone's work and demeanor that they, they felt that what they were doing was important, and everyone really rallied around knowing that we were providing something important to our community. It was good. I mean, it was, it was a night. We did it every morning. Uh, we'd start early. It was, a, it was a good way to start your day, for sure. It gave you a good feeling. In addition, you know, I, I had a few stories from the community where people would tell me uh, how it impacted them. Some of the bus drivers would bring back notes that the kids had written thanking us. I had a community member tell me a story about following one of the buses, and when it pulled up to a house, the two girls came running out of the house with their with their little brother, who's not school age yet, and uh, pulling a little red wagon down from the porch out to the bus to to get their lunches, and that they were so excited and happy. Just that image, you know, you kind of replay it in your head while you're doing the work, and yeah. you just know that it's, it's something special. And that kid running after the bus, he's kind of a symbol for how the school's feeding program went beyond the kids at school. Mr. Nance and his team prioritized feeding whole families. Uh, one of the things that uh, we decided you know, we can be reimbursed for the meals for our students if they're on the free and reduced lunch program. But during this time, we actually offered it to anyone um, in our school, whether they were free or reduced at no charge. So people's circumstances changed when we got closed down. A lot of people were laid off or furloughed from work. And uh, we felt that it was important to offer it to not just our free and reduced lunch students, but all of our students. But then in addition to that, it didn't make much sense to deliver meals home to an entire family that's asked to be a stay-at-home order at that time and not provide food for the other members of the family. So we were, when people were called in, you know, we'd ask them the students' names and then we'd ask them how many household members there were and we would provide breakfast and lunch for every person in the house, not just the students. I do think it was an important gesture because, you know, I, I don't think everyone truly recognizes the time or is really recognizing even now what the long-term impact is going to be on the families as a whole. You know, when the stay-at-home order was, was given and um, the school was closed, 
you know, parents are either maybe forced to stay home because of no child care, or maybe they were laid off of their jobs due to the slowdown in the economy. Just for us to to think about those other members in the house, I and mean, we were feeding grandparents and parents and siblings along with our own students. And I definitely got to definitely got to thank our school board for supporting the program because we knew that it was going to be something that normally in our food services program you're constantly trying to make sure you're bringing in enough revenue from selling uh, lunches and breakfast to support the program as a standalone program in this case we had to use other funds to make sure that we were providing a service and our school board supported that they didn't stop at food either and they won't stop here yeah, I think during this uh, school closure and this pandemic time, uh, we're learning a lot, a lot of different things. Um, I think we're learning what's important as the school, you know, what's important for us to provide, providing for the academic needs of our students are obviously is the uh, highest priority, but providing for their physical needs is also uh, a paramount as well. Uh, so, you know, we've kind of taken that that motto of we're going to provide for the academic, physical, and social, emotional needs of our kids. And uh, if you get down to it, if you take care of those three things, the rest is going to take care of itself. So, you know, we've taken and invested more into our uh, counseling programs, work with outside counseling services, providing the counseling even during this closure time because we feel like our students need it now now more than ever so we were providing those services virtually um teleconferencing hopefully at some point we're able to get back together so that we can because you can do an even better job of taking care of their academic needs in person so uh, we're really focusing on those three things and we're focusing on what's important that's i think that's what we've learned from this whole situation to evaluate and determine when you get down to the root of it, what's the most important things. This show is brought to you by Indiana University's Center for Rural Engagement, engaging communities through research, teaching, service, and partnerships. Our home is at Indiana Environmental Reporter, thanks to the Media School at Indiana University, thanks to Joni Mutchler at West Washington Schools, and the Resilient Hoosier Communities team at CRE. And a big thank you to Elaine Monahan who made all of this possible. And thanks to you for listening. We'll see you next time.